0: Grab your copy of God's Word and join me in John chapter twenty-one. John chapter twenty-one. Let me say that uh, earlier service we had a great, great service. We uh, had a lady trust Christ, a visiting lady trust Christ, a Savior, and uh, that was a blessing. I hope you enjoyed. If you're visiting with us, if you are, are here for the first time, we we uh, want you to connect with us. Maybe after the after the service, you can fill out that QR code or whatever, and we'd love to. Uh, Uh, Get that uh, connected with you, an email, just thanking you for coming, and uh, what a blessing it has been. Tim Lee was great last week, wasn't he? Those of you that uh, were here for Tim Lee, that was a blessing to to see and to um, have uh, him as our guest, and those that received Christ, we're baptizing next Sunday, so if you have received Christ recently, uh, we'd love to have you follow the Lord in believers' baptism, and uh, what a great thing that would be. Uh, John chapter 21, because Tim was here last week, we, we have to go back a, a week before that. And Jesus has encountered Peter on the side of the sea there in Galilee. And they uh, are having a discussion, uh, starting at about verse number 15. And uh, if you remember, uh, Jesus had the resurrected Christ, had told uh, the disciples to go from Jerusalem to Galilee and to wait for him. It's about 80 miles And to wait for him until he gets there. And so, uh, of course, uh, Jesus uh, was on his way. And uh, and the disciples must have either gotten bored or or whatever the case may be. They, they, They started fishing. They went back to that old nature, and they started fishing. And Peter uh, began to fish, and and they they cast the nets on that one side, you remember, and they they didn't catch nothing. And they see a man out by the shore, and he asked them how they're doing. And they they said, oh, we're doing nothing. We're catching nothing. And so then uh, Jesus, what they didn't know at the time, but Jesus said, won't you cast your nets on the right side of the ship? And they did, and they caught 153 fish. And immediately John knew it was the Lord. And Peter realized that it was the Lord. And so they were, uh, they were, of course, fearful, but then also at the same time they were amazed. And they jumped out of the boat and they came swimming to the shore and brought those fish to the shore. And uh, Jesus begins a conversation with Peter. And you remember that conversation. Jesus began to talk to Peter and he said, uh, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, uh, well, of course I, I love you, Lord. What he meant by that is I like you a lot. You're a dear friend. Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And he said, well, of course, I, I'm very fond of you, Lord. You know that I, I, I love you. But he was fond of him as a dear friend. The third time he said, Lord, uh, you know all things. You know the hearts. You know my heart. And then after each question, the Lord would then say, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. He was telling Peter, Peter, I have a a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. There's something even greater than what you're doing now. And I've got this plan for you, and I want you to uh, fulfill that plan. So I want you to begin with me in verse number 18 of John's gospel. And look with me. The Bible says in John 21, and verse 18, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, thou walkest whither thou wouldest, But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee, whether thou wouldest not. This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on the breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I that thou that he tarry till I come, what is it to thee? Follow thou me. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach for a few minutes this morning. And uh, Lord, we do ask that God, you would meet with us like you did in the earlier service. That Lord, you, you uh, saved that soul and how precious that was. And Lord, if there's one here today needing encouragement, I pray you'd encourage them. Lord, if there's one here today needing instruction, I pray you'd instruct them today. And Lord, if there's one here today that needs saved, I pray that they'll come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. May we not just hear this message and let it go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, may it go to our heart today and we'll be a doer of the Word. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Look with me in verse 19 of John 21. Uh, The Bible says Jesus spoke to Peter. And look with me in what he said in verse 19. He said, "Uh, This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Follow me. Now this is the last command that that Peter received from the Lord. It was the same as his first command, follow me. And follow me means to learn of me, to follow my example, to follow continuously, never let up. Peter, I want you to follow me. These last verses of John's gospel is a focusing again on our Lord's dealings with Simon Peter. I want you to see the first thing this morning is this, Peter's revelation from the Lord. Peter's revelation from the Lord. Go back with me to verse 17. I know we covered this last time, but look in verse 17. The Bible says, He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Look at verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, which means most assuredly. Verily, verily, anytime you see that in Scripture, it means most assuredly. I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, thou walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands. And another. Shall gird thee and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. Now, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ to Peter. They're having a conversation, and Jesus has just assigned Peter the task of preaching the gospel. He said, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, Peter. And now he tells them that his life for him is not going to be a bed of roses. He said, Peter, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to go and you're going to pastor and you're going to do these things and and when you were young you just picked your coat up and you went wherever you wanted to go but now one day someone is going to gird you which means execute and they're going to strap you to a cross and they're going to put you in and they're going to strap you down and Peter, you're going to face death because of me. Troubles will beset him on every side. He will finally meet a violent death. This is exactly what the Lord is saying in verse number 18. May I say this morning that Christ's servants have never uh, been given a promise of an easy life. You say, well, I've gotten saved and and uh, I'm expecting things to go well. I'm expecting things to just be smooth and, and nice. Can I tell you something? Listen, if you got saved, sometimes your problems are even more complicated. Sometimes trials do come even more. Hey, folks, listen. Jesus never promised any of his followers that if you follow me, things will be okay. Listen, things will be okay will not be okay in a lot of sense. And he's telling Peter, Peter, uh, your life is not going to be what you think it might be. But that is to be expected. Here's what Jesus said. In this world ye shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen? Hey, we're going to have tribulations. There's going to be trials. He then said, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Listen, you're going to be reviled. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be falsely accused. You're going to be, rumors are going to be spread about you, but it's it's. it's okay because it's for my sake. Uh, One of our members, they they certainly didn't mean it by any, one of our precious members in the earlier service came out in the lobby, and he said, Preacher, has anybody said anything to you? And I said, oh, no. You know, I'm thinking, has anybody said anything to you? On this day, I'm thinking, boy, I hope nothing's went wrong. He said, no, no, no. He said, no. He said, I was listening to the radio this week on, on a radio station. He said, I heard a preacher, and this preacher was preaching. And he said, uh, He said, Preacher, he said, and this is a precious man. He said, I was listening. He said, I got a little upset. I said, What was he saying? He said, I think he was talking about you. <laughs> I said, Me? What have I done? He started describing all these things. And I said, Yep, he's talking about me. <laughs> I don't know what I've done to this man. But, but, I, but, but he said, What should we do about it? I said, We don't do nothing about it. Now, this man is uh, my brother in Christ, I believe, I, I hope. Uh, I know I'm saved, and uh, most brothers in Christ don't, don't do that, but, but I believe he's saved. He's a good man, but I believe that he's been misinformed, and he, and he certainly got his eyes in the wrong place, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But he, but he said something. You know what, though? We can expect it when we're trying to impact a community for Christ, when we're trying to preach the gospel, when we're trying to see God do a great thing. You can expect not everybody to like it. Not everybody's going to like what you're doing. Not everybody's going to be your fan. And, and if you're wanting fans, then you're not really wanting to follow Christ. Here's what Psalms 34 said in verse 19. Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them Now we learn a wonderful truth in these verses and that is the future history of Christians both in life and death is foreknown by Christ. Hey, nothing catches God off guard. Nothing catches the Lord Jesus off guard. Nothing catches the Holy Spirit off guard. There's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing with with, with happen chance. There's no such thing as just a coincidence. This happened and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, uh, one day you're going to lay your life down. One day they're going to strap you to a cross member. They're going to hang you uh, upside down on a cross and you're going to die for my sake. And now at this time of, of this writing John's gospel, Peter had already been martyred. And, and, and I want you to uh, think about in your mind, Peter had faced this martyrdom uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ and it would be a, a very violent death. Matter of fact, this morning I was reading about some of the tradition, history tradition, uh, from a, a man by the name of Eusebius. Eusebius wrote about Peter and tradition says that it extends all the way back to the 2nd century. And it informs us that Peter was crucified on a cross. If you'll go back to verse number 18, the word gird. It says, another shall gird thee. That word gird is an expression for an executioner. So Jesus is saying, Peter, you're going to be girded up and you're going to be executed for the faith on a cross member. And and it seems that Peter was bound to a cross unlike Christ was nailed to. To a cross and the question then would remain maybe from the listener this morning or maybe even from myself did Peter really realize what Jesus was saying to him that you're going to face death that Peter one day you're going to die did Peter realize what Jesus was saying well I believe he did because the same Peter that were that we are preaching about Simon Peter wrote first and second Peter and he said in second Peter chapter one and verse 14 knowing that shortly I must put off this Tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. So Peter wrote that, of course, before he had died a martyr's death, and he said, I must put off this tabernacle, my tabernacle, as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Somewhere along the way, uh, the light bulb came on. Peter understood that his mission was to preach the gospel, feed the lambs, feed the flock, but eventually die a martyr's death. I'm grateful, aren't you grateful this morning that the Lord has not revealed to us the future? I don't want to know the future. I don't want to know what tomorrow holds. I mean, sometimes we're like, boy, I wish what we knew. Hey, listen, I don't want to know what tomorrow holds. I don't want to know what next year holds. Hey, it'd be sad if we'd seen the future. We'd see people that we love had passed away. We'd see things that we had hoped for had faded away. We'd seen things in relationships that we had hoped that would work out didn't work out. And so I'm glad that we don't see the future. But this Christian historian tells in AD 61 under Nero that, that Peter and his wife were in prison for preaching the gospel. And one morning Peter was walking his wife to the place of execution and he witnessed his own wife's execution. She was killed before his very eyes. And Peter, while standing there watching his wife being uh, being, uh, uh, killed for the faith, he said this, Remember our Lord. Remember our Lord. Uh, Tradition says that Peter went back to his cell uh, because they wanted him. Part of his torture was to watch his wife die. And he goes back to his cell. And they say that night he led his jailer to Christ. And the next day Peter was hung upside down. He said that he was not worthy to be crucified with his head up like our Savior, and they turned him upside down. I want you to notice in verse 19 of John 21, This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. This would, in this, The text in verse 19 saying that he would glorify God, God in his death, would be honored by the death of his servant. Uh, when some were uh, scoffing at John Wesley the Methodist for some of the doctrines and practices that John Wesley and the Methodists uh, exercised, John Wesley said this: "At any rate, at any rate, our people die well." You know what John Wesley was meaning? God's people die well. I don't know if you've ever been in the in the room with someone that's passed away who knew God. But I'll tell you, it's an experience. It's, it's a sight to behold to see someone who knew, knew God. My grandfather, was, was uh, he died at 90 years old. But the first 70 years of my grandpa's life, he was a very, very wicked man. He was a drunk. He was uh, uh, very much an alcoholic. He was an abuser. He provided for his family. But, but boy, I tell you, when he, he was drinking, he was mean as a snake. He'd cut your throat if he was drunk. If you crossed him, he was a mean man. But when he got saved, he put down the liquor bottles and put down all that stuff and he stayed home and he was a good grandpa and a good dad. The last 20 years of my grandpa's life, he he lived for the Lord. He was the kindest man you'd meet. He was a good man. It was like you'd never known that old drunk that he was before he got saved. And, and I remember when my grandpa, he was diagnosed with, with lung disease. It was like a COPD, but it was black lung where he breathed in that coal dust from the coal mines. And he, he was breathing in that dust, and it eventually took his life at the age of 90 years old. But, but my grandpa, when he was laying there on that deathbed, and we were in that room and watching my grandpa uh, really go off into eternity, and into and, and heaven, my grandpa lifted his arms up in the air, and his eyes got really big, and, and he was on no medication. He was on nothing. He was just on a breathing machine, barely alive. But his eyes open, and his arms up, and a smile on his face. And his, as his hands went down, he entered into the presence of Jesus Christ. Hey, if you've never seen anything like that, hey, let me tell you something. God's people die well. You say, well, pastor, I've not finished or I've not started right. Hey, it doesn't really matter so much how you start, but it's how you finish. Finish right. It's important that we live well, but that we also die well and without murmurings, without complainings, but silently enjoying the inward peace that only Christ can give. Peter knew about that peace. And we can as well. Here's the second thing that I see about our text. We see not only the uh, revelation from the Lord to Peter, but we see, secondly, Peter's rebuke from the Lord. Now look with me in verse number 20. The Bible says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, that's John, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter, seeing him, him, saith to Jesus, Lord... And what shall this man do? And Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Now, here's what happened. The Lord Jesus has just told Peter that Peter, you're going to die for me. Uh, when you were younger, you did whatever you wanted to do, and you were so uh, free to the wind and lived by the seat of your pants, but now, Peter, you're going to one day be girded up, strapped to a cross member, and you're going to die. And Peter, after this conversation, looks at John, and he maybe sees John in the distance, and he says, What about him? What's your, what's your plan for him, Jesus? What, what's what's going to happen to John, my brother? Lord, what about my brother? Now, Peter gets his eyes off of Jesus and he puts his eye on his brother. And Peter's notorious about that. In Matthew chapter 14, and verse number 30, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus when he heard the cries. You say, what do you mean? Well, walking on the water Jesus uh, to Jesus, uh, Peter heard the waves and it scared him. In John 18, uh, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus because of the circumstances. Do you remember when uh, they were standing at the enemy's fire around Caiaphas's house and they were warming themselves by the fire and Peter denied the Lord? And then we see in John 21 and verse 21, Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus because of another Christian. He sees another disciple and he says, Lord, what about him? Lord, what about my brother? Now, Peter may have been slightly jealous of John's special relationship, but you got to understand, John is the writer of this gospel and John refers to himself as the one in whom Jesus loved. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? John, the writer of the gospel, says Jesus loved me more than anybody else. I probably would have done the same thing, and I probably would have been ticked off like Peter, like, "Hey, you need to stop that." If I was writing First and Second Peter, I probably would have wanted the one in whom Jesus really loved. But Jesus said, "Peter," in his rebuke, "Mind your own business." That's what he says. He said, "What is it to thee?" In verse twenty-two, "Follow thou me." Peter, you need to just focus on following me. Keep your eyes on me. And it's amazing to think, listen church, it's amazing to think how effective the church would become if we would just follow the word of advice that Jesus gave Peter. Peter, just mind your own business. Keep your nose to yourself. Keep your nose out of everybody's business. And it's interesting to know that the rumor mill was alive and well in the first century. I mean, Peter's wanting to know what John's doing. What, what, did, what did Jesus mean? Hey, listen, John did live the longest and rumors were evidently flying that John was going to live forever. John squelches that rumor that it already began in verse number 23. John kind of puts that rumor down. Here's what Jesus is simply implying to, to Peter in a hypothetical question. He says, Peter, supposing I want John to live until I come, I'm not saying that I do, but if I do, what business is it to you? That's a good poem, isn't it? If I do, what business is it to you? Jesus is looking at John, or Peter rather, and he said, Peter, you need to mind your own business. I've got a special purpose for John, like I have a special purpose for you. Y'all are not the same. You're uniquely different, and you need to keep your eyes on me and follow me. And let me just say this whatever God wants to do with the life of another Christian, so be it. So be it. It is not the problem or business of anybody else. Can I say that some Christians will prosper while others will go through financial hardships? Some Christians will experience sickness while others remain healthy. Some Christians will enjoy security of family while others are losing their loved ones that they cherished. Some Christians will live a long life while others will die young. And here's the deal reach different conclusions about the Christian walk than others. For instance, some will allow the television in their home while, uh, will not allow a television in their home while others will have a television in every room. It's none of your business. Amen. Some will send their kid to public school while others will send their kids only to Christian school, and then there will be some that believe that schooling at home should be done. Listen, it's OK. If you're a child of God, mind your own business. Just mind your own business. Some will eat only natural foods. Some will avoid sugar and coffee and white flour and will die at the ripe old age of 85. While others will have coffee every morning and white bread for lunch and chocolate-covered donuts every night before bed, and they'll die at the ripe old age of 85. And they'll die happy. (laughs) Mind your own business. Hey, if you want to be a health nut, be a health nut for Jesus, but keep it to yourself. Let the rest of us enjoy life and donuts and cheeseburgers and hot dogs and Coca-Cola. The list can go on. There's thousands of issues between the believer and the Lord. Here's what Jesus is saying. Peter, stop looking at John. What I do with John is none of your business. Hey, church, we would do much better if we would just keep our eyes on Jesus. Oh, listen, social media has ramped up the nosiness of people. They creep on you and they look at your stuff and they just stalk and they ought to be arrested uh, for how much they stalk. And they're looking at everything. And listen, I know social media is to be social and you put it out there. You want everybody to see it or at least, you know, uh, that's what you put it out there for. But can you understand this? Listen, if you're using that as a tool of the devil, stop. If it's discouraging you or you're using it as a comparison, stop. People compare all the time. There's a warning from Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, in verse 13, that a busybody is someone who is busy about everybody else's business except theirs. That's a busybody. They go house to house. These days they go phone to phone or, or email to email or text to text and spend hours learning everybody else's business instead, instead of their business. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. Thank you, Henrietta. <laughs> Jesus said, Peter, mind your own business. See, we start trying to tend to everyone else's business. It always causes problems. And those problems cause diseases. Well, you say, I'm talking about a spiritual disease. Church, don't miss this. It is the spiritual disease of comparison. Now, this is prevalent among believers, but it's really prevalent among preachers. Comparing, Comparing ministries to one another. God's blessing over there. wonder why God ain't blessing here. I'm going to show you some signs this morning. This is exactly what Peter's doing. Peter is looking at the Lord, and he's saying, Lord, uh, what about my, my disciple friend, John? What, what's the plans for him? Why, why, are, why am I got to die for you? And he's, he's the one that's going to live forever. What, what are you going to do with him? Comparing. What about my brother? I want to offer an antidote for these diseases of comparison. I want you to look at them. The first disease or the first antidote for uh, this disease of comparison is this, recognize that God made you for a unique purpose. You want to combat the disease of comparison, realize that God made you for a unique purpose. Every one of you, look at, every one of you have a unique purpose purpose you're uniquely made God formed you he has a purpose for you get your eyes on Jesus here's the second thing remember that God created other people for their unique purpose so your unique purpose is not theirs sometimes we think well why ain't they doing it why are they not doing this why why are they doing that over there hey hey don't worry Don't don't, don't get that comparison thing going, because if you're not careful, you'll get your eyes off Jesus. Here's the third thing. Recognize that the object of your human comparison is another human. You can hurt people. They're a sinner. They're a human, just like you are. And the object of your comparison is someone that's living, breathing, and whom Jesus died for. Hey, number four, realize that human comparison will always produce spiritual diseases. It always produces spiritual disease. You want to know how you can tell that you have this disease called comparison? If you say this, I'm just not measuring up. What are you not measuring up to or who are you not measuring up to? You know what that that could possibly be? That could be discouragement. A lot of times people are so discouraged because they are looking at someone else and they see maybe they're thriving and they're doing well and God's blessing and they're looking at that other individual and they get discouraged because they're not measuring up to the success of another believer. Why can't I be the dad that guy is? Why can't I be the mom that that guy guy is? Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus, Father. (laughs) God, have mercy. In this day and age, though, you never know. Hopefully, you're not comparing to another dad, mom. If you are, you got more problems in this disease of comparison. Pride. Pride can be a a, a symptom. Pride, I'm actually better than that other person. See, pride settles in, so the comparison game. And you're looking and you're judging that other person and saying, I'm better than they are. That's still the disease. Hey, the third thing is hatred. Think about this. I will do everything possible to make the object of my comparison miserable. You say, Pastor, that sounds terrible. It is terrible. The hatred, that human that you are comparing to now that you despise because you don't measure up. How about this? I can't believe that God has used and blessed and prospered this person more than me. You know what that is? That's envy. You want to know how you got the disease of comparison? You start talking like that. What about them? Look at them. Look at how they do. Or I'm better than they are. When we ought to be keeping our eyes on Jesus because I believe uh, one way to combat the disease of comparison is to readjust your sights so that they are no longer earthly but heavenly. And Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, if you're going to follow me, You're going to have to keep looking at me. Get your eyes off of John. John is not your problem. Quit comparing yourself to John. You keep following me. Now I want you to notice the third thing about this text is the response of Peter to the Lord. As we read this text, and we come down to the final two verses of John's gospel, and we've been in this gospel now for almost a year and ten months, and we'll conclude it next Sunday. A year and ten months, faithfully every week, we've been in John's gospel. And I I appreciate those of you that has journeyed through this. But as as we read this last chapter in the conversation, the refocusing on Simon Peter, we see the risen Savior commanding to redeem a soul to follow him. He started out saying, follow me. He's ending the book saying, follow me. And the next book of the Bible, which is the book of Acts, we see that Peter did follow Christ. He became the preacher at Pentecost, an early leader of the early uh, early church, a man who never turned his back on God, a man who loved and served the Savior until the very end. Then came a day when Jesus' prophecies and predictions came true. Peter was bound by an enemy of Christ and cruelly put to death some 34 years after this conversation. But when he suffered that last agonizing pain, when he bled that last drop of blood, when he took that last breath of air, he was immediately in the presence of God. No more chains, no more prison, no more beatings, no more abandonment, no more failure, No more sin, no more running the mouth uh, when you're not supposed to. None of those things in Peter's life was ever there. Why? Because he is now in the presence of the Lord, face to face with Jesus. And I wonder what Jesus said when they met. I wonder what Jesus said to Peter when Peter entered into splendor and to the gates of of pearl and the walls of jasper and he sees Jesus Christ face to face, the one that he died for. I wonder what Peter said. Uh, You know, the Lord maybe looked at Peter and he said, it's all over now, Peter. You were faithful to your trust. You were faithful to the end. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I can imagine maybe Peter said this, Lord, it's been worth every mile. It's been worth every trouble and persecution. It's worth everything. And I want to thank you for saving me. I want to thank you for forgiving me. I want to thank you for all eternity. That's just what I want to do. I want to thank you for all eternity for all that you've done for me. See, Peter lived his life for Christ. After this conversation, which I believe changed Peter's life, Peter lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, he went home to heaven. He had crowns to cast at Jesus' feet. And one day when we take our final breath, all the tribulations and trials will be over. Everything that you're carrying right now, everything that's a burden to you, every failure that you've had, everything that just in your life seems to be unraveling, can I tell you, one day it'll all be over. And it's going to matter how we finished for the Lord how we finished. You're going to be remembered how you finished. You're going to be remembered by not so much how you started in this thing. You're going to remember how you finished. And listen, I, by God's grace, want to finish well. I want to finish well. I want to finish married to my wife. I want to be finished uh, being the father of my children. I want to finish being a pastor of a church or being a preacher of the gospel. I want to finish my course loving Jesus with joy on my face and not comparing uh, myself to others and looking down on others or being miserable because I don't measure up. God has placed me uniquely in Simpsonville, South Carolina, me and my family, seven and a half years ago. Put us right here in Simpsonville for such a time as this to glorify God, to reach sinners with the gospel, the pastor of church. I'm not the pastor of the church down the road in Greenville. I'm not the pastor of the church over in Spartanburg. I'm not a pastor of a church in Greer. I'm not a pastor of a church in North Carolina. And I'm not a pastor of a church in California. This is the church. So when I feel like I haven't measured up, it's my fault. We ought to just be looking to Christ. Mom and dad, quit being so, quit being so doubt on yourself, uh, down on yourself. Quit uh, trying to uh, just be discouraged all the time. And you know, I'm not the mom I should be, and I'm not the, the, the dad I should be. Listen, if you're measuring up to what the Bible says, then, then fix it. But if you're looking at someone else, listen, you're, you're, just, you're just hurting yourself. One day this will all be over. Amen. We'll get to heaven, it'll all be over.